If you could sum up the current conservative movement in one or two words, how would you sum it up? If you're asking me, I would say the easiest way to sum it up would be with two words, anti-government. Now, that's not the phrasing that gets used by conservatives, but it is the most fair phrasing. So if you ask a conservative, they will say that they are pro-free enterprise and pro-life and all of these really glowy, sparkly words that seem like that seem like better than they really are. For me, the current conservative movement seems to have been born out of, well, I would say that it really started to rot with Richard Nixon. Obviously, Roger Ailes uh, from Fox News, uh, now deceased, worked for the Richard Nixon administration. And it was, it was his idea that they should have their own news outlet. And especially after Nixon ended up resigning because he was definitely going to be impeached for the crimes that he committed, Roger Ailes remained committed to having an outlet, a news outlet, or a series of news outlets that could help control the narrative so that no matter what kind of egregious crimes a conservative president committed ever again, we would not see that president get impeached. And that came to fruition this past year, when despite all all of the crimes that have been committed by this president, and his administration, they've all walked, and the Justice Department has become little more than an appendage for the Trump administration to punish his enemies and protect his friends. And if you talk to the average conservative, the, the part that where you, you'll hear that a lot of them agree is that they love Ronald Reagan, love Ronald Reagan, love Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a scumbag in a suit. But when he talked, he, he was able to really draw them in. Now, the president talks like a, like a perverted 13-year-old. I don't know how that came to be acceptable. Uh, I, I've read a lot about Ronald Reagan. And say what you will about him or his governing style or his philosophy, the man had a, a grasp on the English language, and that was one of the reasons that they called him the great communicator. Of course, he was a total pile of human waste, but he sounded good, and he looked good, and that drew in a lot of conservatives. And his mantra about, about government was the, the most dangerous phrase in the English language is, I'm here from the government and I'm going to help you. He said, that's, that's the start. He goes, government gets involved and government ruins everything. And so that's what I've heard from so many conservatives over the years. But for all of the hatred of the government, I couldn't help but notice how many of them have government jobs or depend on government contracts. I have a small business and I have now for a number of years. I applied for the idle loan, the economic injury disaster loan. I got a teeny tiny bit of money. I really wanted to apply for the payment protection program because so far my business has lost 
around $20,000. And I would like to recoup some of that um, for paycheck expenses, for me, uh, for living expenses, uh, for equipment expenses so that I can continue to expand my business. But the PPP, the initial PPP loan money ran out almost immediately. And then Congress passed more money for the PPP program, uh, the Payment Protection Program, and and then with that came more stringent rules. And then the money didn't run out. The program was supposed to end about a week and a half ago, but it didn't. It's still out there, and there's still a whole lot of money to be gotten. But the rules are murky at best. And so folks like me haven't gone out for it, even though we may qualify for some of it. And my largest problem with it is that it's not going to be forgiven. And so I've just stared, stayed away from all of it and just taken the loss. Well, this from AP, the headline, Kanye West, Tim McGraw, the Girl Scouts, all of them got PPP loans. Kanye West, Reese Witherspoon. So just running down the list, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill have a, a company in Nashville called Road Dog Touring, and they were approved for between 2 and $5 million. Um, they say they needed the loan because they support 37 jobs. Just do the math on that for a minute. Between $2 million and $5 million for 37 jobs. How many, I mean, how much do each of those folks make? And let's not forget about the fact that Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are two of the wealthiest, well-known people in country music. They couldn't just afford to keep paying those people and are they really paying them enough that they need between two million so between 37 people those those folks make between two million and five million dollars maybe okay rich dad poor dad this guy that goes around telling people how to make lots and lots of money was approved for a loan between three hundred fifty thousand dollars and one million dollars jeff coons now jeff coons sold a a sculpture last year and fetched $91 million. $91 million. He must have run out of that $91 million because he got approved for a, a government loan between $1 million and $2 million. Now, we don't know the exact number. We just know a range for all of these because this list, it took forever to get this list released. But this list was finally released. Wall Street and private equity. You want to know how that, that initial money was scooped up so fast? This is how nearly 600 asset management companies and private equity firms were approved for the money, according to government data. Financial firms were generally not badly hurt by the coronavirus pandemic, and the employees were largely able to keep working. And they weren't among the industries that had to be shut down by government by government orders. Of course, though, they are Wall Street, so they got a whole bunch of money. Kim Kardashian. Chloe uh, Kardashian, Kanye West, Re- Re- Reese Witherspoon. Uh, Kanye West got somewhere between $2 million and $5 million. Now, you know Kanye West. Kanye West is a black, white supremacist who has decided that he's going to run for president. No, he's not. Please stop talking about it. And he sells the Yeezy sneaker, which costs $250 a pair. Uh, he also recently announced that he's going to be be designing hoodies for The Gap. So clearly he's broke. 
Um, Good American, the jeans and activewear line from Khloe Kardashian and her business partner, Emma Gred, got somewhere between $1 million and $2 million, and they said that that saved 57 jobs. Uh, Reese Witherspoon's Southern-themed clothing brand, uh, Draper James, got between $350,000 and $1 million. Political groups. Now, this is the one that really tears it for me. The Americans for Tax Reform Foundation. So what is that group? This is an anti-tax lobbying group. They're lobbying to get rid of all taxes, but they got a PPP loan paid for by taxes. The head of this group uh, is anti-tax activist Grover Norquist. And he goes, hey, that's our money. So he doesn't mind taking your tax money so that he can tell you how bad taxes stop. The Girl Scouts got money, Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia. It goes on and on and on. So what's the problem, Melvin? The problem, obviously, is any number of these people. I can't speak for Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, but a whole lot of the rest of these people uh, give money to the Republican Party. And they are friends of the conservative movement. And they like the way things are going. They like it. So, so this was a way for the Trump administration to pay off supporters of his. Chief among them, obviously, is Kanye West. So anyone that was connected to the president got this money. And this president, like every other president, is running on a completely anti-government platform saying that government shouldn't be doing this and government shouldn't be doing that and it shouldn't be involved in anything and it should be private business. But my, oh my, as soon as something happens, they come a-running and they need the government. I've long said the biggest difference between those of us who utilize the government and those of us who say that they don't, we all utilize the government. They just don't admit that they do. And they would really, really prefer if you didn't utilize the government and you depended entirely on them, private businesses. And then those private businesses would go to the government to get things for themselves. You all need the government. You just don't like to admit it. And that's the biggest difference. Sticking to this a similar subject, the president has been on a tear lately about schools in the fall. So the school district that my children attend, they released a plan this week after sending out a poll to the thousands of parents in this area about what they would like the fall to look like. And the overwhelming majority of parents said, we are not entirely opposed to distance learning, but we are opposed to nothing but distance learning. Our children need to be there at least some of the time, and then they can be home part of the time. Whatever it takes to keep them safe, but make sure to bring them in. And the conservative movement went crazy. Did they? Conservative movement went crazy. And so I'm, I'm, I, I, I got up this morning, and I, and I opened Twitter, and there's the president off his goddamn rocker about how schools need to open in the fall. Now, this is a man who is who's wildly unfamiliar with the English language. 
you know, cannot read or write above a fifth grade level, you know, sounds like a schoolyard bully, and, and but for him, all of a sudden, education is the most important thing in the world to him. No, no, no. Education is not the most important thing in the world to him. What the hell is he selling? And then it hit me. The loss of jobs has dinged the president's poll numbers. The number of people that are sick and dying have dinged the president's poll numbers. And the government-funded babysitter that people use schools for, think about it. Think about how people are, are screaming about how they don't want their children to read this book or that book, like with the hate you give, because it goes against what they believe in. Right? This is part of education. You know, they don't want their kids. I hear it on, on, on conservative media all the time. They're indoctrinating our kids in school. Indoctrinate. Well, if they're indoctrinating your goddamn kids, then take them out, send them to a Christian university, and pay for it out of your own pocket. But here they are, freaking out that their kids don't get to go to public schools in the fall. And so I went to my beautiful bride and I asked her, what the hell is this? And she goes, they want a babysitter. And no one's willing to admit this, but they're going to have to admit, admit it now. And they're going to have to admit it by the fall that overwhelmingly folks use the school system as a tax-funded babysitter. And when I hear the decrying of education, of public education all the time, and how we should just privatize it, right? Which, by the way, would make it less effective and more expensive. When I hear all of the bellyaching about education, I go, yeah, the cons should be happy, but they're losing their babysitter. It's just another group of people that need the government who won't admit that they need the government. It's really fun to be anti-government and scream about how much you hate everything and tell until the things that you benefit from that you're not even conscious of start going away. The, pos the position of the president, the two positions that he has been loudest about, and this is weird, is that we need to open up all the cities and we need to open up all the schools. These are the two tears that he's on right now. So the headline over at Vox put it pretty plainly. Close the bars and open the schools. Now here's the thing, kids, and I'm talking to the conservatives directly. If you want the schools to open in the fall, you have to shut down the bars and restaurants now. And you have to limit, severely limit, the amount of people who go into large stores. Now, in a small enclosed area, what we know now about the COVID virus is that it gets aerosolized. Now, we're, we're wiping down counters, windows and doorknobs and all these other things, right? And, and, but that's – and then talking about how your pizza is going to be delivered to you touchless. But that's not the way COVID travels, it gets aerosolized when we talk or when we sing, and then we breathe in that aerosol. And if you're in a building 
and you're distancing from other people and you're wearing a mask, especially if there are if there's a lot of room around you and a lot of room above you, then there's more places for that for that spray to go, that aerosol to go. And when it settles on the ground, as long as you don't lick the bottom of your shoes in the next 20 minutes or so, it dies without a host. Although it can live on certain services for a few hours. Um, you know, it gets on the ground, bottom of your shoes. People don't lick their shoes. They're not going to get the damn virus. And that's the best way to not catch it. And we know that that works because even when everything else was closed down, the grocery stores are open, but they said, hey, we need you to distance and we need you to wear a mask. And people did. So people kept doing those normal things, but the death rates were still going down. The, the people getting sick. Those were still those were still going down, despite the fact that we were carrying that out. When did the virus numbers begin going back up? When we insisted that we can't drink at home, we have to drink in public. We cannot eat at home either. We have to eat in public. And our infrastructure has lent itself to this. There's so many people involved in the food business, the food and drink business. The drink business especially, because the margins are a lot larger for companies. But if you all want your kids to go back to school in the fall, you can't have them both. You cannot have a drink in a bar and send your kids to school. We have to get everybody home now. We have to have the stay-at-home orders now. And we need everybody to start wearing their masks. And then this is where it becomes a problem. The United States is an ungovernable bunch of children. And they won't do it. The numbers of people who are willing to wear masks in public, those numbers are still pretty high. But for those of us that say Freedom this and freedom that. And by the way, freedom is little more than another word for white privilege. Those folks that are screaming freedom and refusing to wear a mask, you're helping drag this down even further. The president could, and his nation of morons will do anything he tells them to do. He could start wearing a mask. And even his supporters would begin wearing a mask. But he sees it as not being tough not being masculine. So he refuses to do it. And out of vanity and this belief that he he looks tough, there's a pretty solid chance that he'll lose in the fall. His attitude has been, it's not real, it's going away, and now the White House is saying that we just need to live with it. Well, that was also the case for Bolsonaro, the president of Brazil. There are three places in the world where COVID is absolutely out of control. The United States, Russia, and Brazil. And Brazil, their president is much like ours. And he has now come down with the coronavirus. In the UK, it was the same thing. Then Boris got the coronavirus, and he changed his goddamn tune pretty quick, too. (sighs) Putin has not gotten the coronavirus yet. We can only hope. Sorry. Couldn't have happened to a worse human being. And the president hasn't gotten the coronavirus either. But it just hit his son's girlfriend, and it hit several people that work around him. So his time might be coming. So how does the election look for the fall, considering all of the decisions that the president is making? Um, There was an article at Business Insider, which I read with some regularity, 
that said that the Dow could hit 30,000 points next year if the conservatives hold power. So that would mean a conservative president, at least a conservative Senate, which would give them more conservative judges to give them all of the riches that they so badly need on Wall Street. So what's going on here? They're sounding the alarm on Wall Street. And when you read something like Business Insider or the Financial Times, it's rich people talking to rich people. So let's talk about that 30,000-point thing. Okay, So the Dow is right around 25,000 points right now, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty good. So how are you doing with the Dow sitting at 25,000 points? Hmm? Hey, the Dow went up 400 points yesterday. How are you feeling? Oh, unemployment's at 11%, huh? Wow. You're only making twelve fifty an hour. Ugh. But wait a minute. The Dow just hit 25,000 points again. Come on, you got to be doing better. Huh. Well, it was at 18,000 points a little while back. And now it's at 25,000. And it could go to 30,000. So 7,000 points it's gone up in the last... Hey, hey, hey. How are you... Do- oh, you're not doing better. It's weird. Because we always talk about the stock market. Let's talk about how much the stock market goes up. Like it really helps regular people. It doesn't. The stock market could hit 30000 next year if the conservatives hold power. Well, if passes prologue and the recent gains in the market that we have seen, if they've not reached you, that's because they're not designed to. They were never designed to. They're never going to. And so scary-ass headlines like this are supposed to be scary to you and I, but they're not. Let the Dow go to 6,000. I don't care. I know what the Dow's going to do because its trajectory, even when it falls, has always been to go up. But when it goes super up and it goes so fast, it's not there to help us. So we, we lost pensions in this country uh, decades ago. They started going away. And we started putting our retirement into the stock market, which, yeah, over a long term does have a trajectory that goes up. But the point of having us uh, getting rid of pensions, which were a guaranteed thing, and putting it into the stock market, putting our retirement into the stock market, which is really a, a casino, that was so that we would care about what happens in the stock market. But the overwhelming majority of people, people who make their money from capital gains, those are the only ones that really gain when the market goes up. But they, and they call themselves capitalists. Oh, I'm a capitalist. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not. Unless you just make your money from money. Oh, I work for a living. I'm a small business owner. I'm a capitalist. No, you're not. If you work for a living, you work for a living. You make your money from money. If you just sit around, you know, on your duff, waiting for the dividend check to come every quarter, and that's how you make your money, A, you're not contributing anything to American society. And B, you're just living off what the rest of us are doing. And things like this Business Insider article, I'm seeing lots of those about how much better the fourth quarter is going to be of this year and the first quarter and the second quarter of next year and how the stock market is going to go through the roof. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the stock market goes up. It's not going to help us. What's going to help us is if there's more jobs and there's more modern jobs. 
things that our society actually needs right now. But this is Wall Street freaking out because Trump filled the swamp with as many swamp creatures as he wanted. And he's making sure that every one of them gets paid and every one of you gets screwed. Have you seen Trump's new logo? It's been making its rounds on social media. Um, he decided to redesign an old Nazi logo where the, with the eagle with its wings out where it's holding on to a swastika. And, and, and he decided to do the same thing except it's holding on to a round American flag instead of a round swastika. And it says America first. And this is the president really digging in on this racism thing. Uh, he's been tweeting out a lot more racist things as of late. Some things that he's had to take down from his Twitter account. Uh, he's really leaned in on the Confederate flag, which the, the Civil War was about slavery. T- telling black people their place. Putting up all these Confederate soldiers in the form of statues all over this country. This is little more than telling black people that they need to know their place. And this is what he's decided to run on. And you say, good, let him run on it and let him lose, you say. Yeah. That's what I thought last time because you ran a super racist campaign last time and look where he's at now. So this isn't a guarantee that he will lose. But I do see I do see the the bubbly glowing headlines that say Trump's polling is down in Texas and Florida and and Michigan and Pennsylvania and all these places that he won, even by razor thin margins. His polling is just down and Biden is just just creaming him. And I remember this kind of happy talk from 2016, and I'm not so certain. And they go, but he's saying all this racist stuff, and he's a misogynist, and all this, and he's been so gross, and the children in the cages, and yeah, 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 but there's a lot of people that went, you know what, that's fine, let him be president anyway. Mostly these third-party schmucks. So how are the third-party people doing this time around? Well, the headline... Uh, over at the New York Times, um, third-party voters from 2016 are now settling for Biden. Hold up, wait up, wait up, stop. Settling for Biden. Settling. See, the president has a small but mighty army of neo-Nazis who live for him and will die for him and who will defend him when he loses And they will take up arms against the citizens of this country because that's that's the very definition of white privilege. And Biden has people that have settled for him. Now, we don't have to be a murderous, bloodthirsty army for Biden, but something's going to have to happen with respect to the enthusiasm gap because They are wildly excited for this neo-Nazi POS to get four more years. And the people that help hand 2016 to Trump are finally settling with him. Don't be so certain. This November is not even kind of in the bag. I need you to not lose your focus. The overwhelming majority of people do not like the president. The overwhelming majority of people are cool with wearing a mask to protect other Americans. The overwhelming majority of of American people are good and would like to see more kindness and less cruelty. Yes, that's true. But those of you that do not have 
the excitement, those of you who, who do not see better days ahead when it comes to getting rid of this schmuck. And yeah, sorry, dealing with Biden. Nobody's effing excited about Biden. But at this point in history, we just have to get this neo-Nazi out of there. So I don't understand what motivates conservatives. It seems like it's little more than cruelty. And that, that makes me sad. I have no idea what that's like to want to hurt other people and to want to make other people miserable. But I wanted, you, I wanted to leave you with this story today from AP. Um, not so random acts. Science finds that being kind pays off. Quoting here, acts of kindness may not be that random after all. Science says being kind does pay off. Research shows that acts of kindness make us feel better and healthier. Kindness is also key to how we evolved and survived as a species, scientists say. We are hardwired to be kind. Veering from the article here, cruelty is not in our nature. But when we tell ourselves and one another that, that life is, is, is short and, and brutish and all the rest, it's, it's not. And that's not why we're here. And when we leave this planet, the only thing we leave are the feelings that we left with those we left behind. Quoting here, Kindness is as bred in our bones as our anger or our lust or our grief or as our desire for revenge, said University of California San Diego psychologist Michael McCullough, author of the forthcoming book Kindness of Strangers. It also, he said, the main, is the main feature that we take for granted. Scientific research is booming into human kindness. And what scientists have found so far speaks well of us. Quoting here, kindness is so much older than religion. It, it does not seem to be universal, said University of, uh, of Oxford anthropologist Oliver Curry, uh, research director at Kind Lab. The basic reason why people are kind is that we are social animals. The one thing that I will say that even introverts have learned from COVID is that even if they think that they are an introvert and that they do not need to be in these streets and that they do not need people, what they are learning is that they do. And that even if it's just for a brief period of time, we need one another. The fact that people are willing to go in public and get sick and die right now so that they can eat and drink in public speaks volumes. The fact that we are craving sports and concerts and all these things that bring us together, flooding the beaches, knowing that even if you recover from COVID, there's a pretty good chance you're going to wish you didn't because it destroys your body. It shows how much we need one another. And that's being tested right now because even with as much as we need one another, what we need more than anything is to do something for one another. And that one thing that we can do for one another, and I'm sorry, Second Amendment people, it's not shooting. You can't shoot people and get what you want. No, no, no. The one thing that we need to do is to follow science again. We followed them on kindness. We're following them on kindness. Now we got to follow them again with respect to our social distancing and wearing masks and basic hygiene, just being clean. And wearing a mask is a sign of respect for your fellow human beings. And even if you're conservative and you pride yourself on being cruel, I don't know who you are, 
But I promise you, even you need people. Let's exhibit that basic level of respect for one another. Shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here on the Fire You Can't Put Out, the kindest show in the world. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tfycpo. Our home is podbean.com slash tfycpo. You can email us your questions, comments, hate mail, uh, tfycpo at gmail.com. We work hard to not only inform and entertain, but also to keep an open dialogue with you, our growing listener base. So feel free to reach out to us. And as always, thank you for listening. We are the fire you can't put out, and we will prevail. Rejecting cruelty in favor of kindness. Special thanks to Kevin, one of the kindest men I know, for producing this show and working with me all these years to put this out. I appreciate all of your efforts. And for you that listen, I appreciate those of you that are out there. This is Melvin signing off. And now that I have woken you up, good morning.